Hello and welcome to our special edition of the Rainer Sim Racing Podcast. It's a little bit later than we planned, but we've had to rethink. There's not much racing for us to preview. The boys have been doing a great job bringing us their Irish racing previews the last couple of days, and um, I think they've been a good addition. I mean, you guys have enjoyed putting them together, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, <you know>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 they have loved them. <laughs> um, but today we're gonna do something a little bit different because obviously, at the minute, it doesn't have to be said, but there's much less racing than we used to, so we can't do any weekend previews, and there's not much for us to review either at this point. But we thought today what we'd do is um produce a podcast basically having a look at is racing open enough to new people and ways that maybe we could make it more simple and like just have a bit of an introduction for people who maybe are thinking i want to get into horse racing but i don't quite understand all of the different terms and everything so we put that together this is going to be our little kind of cheat sheet if you will or cheat podcast but um yeah so if you are a strong racing fan and like you think you get halfway through this and you're thinking i already know all this stuff then you don't need to listen but if you do you know we'd appreciate any feedback and of course if anyone has any questions at all about racing or anything then messages on rainers in racing we might have the answers or if not we can put you on to someone else as well um so we've also asked for your questions for us on Twitter this week, so we're going to be answering a few of those later on today. But um, who have we got here today? We've got Sam, we've got Luke, and we've got Killian with us today. So we're going to do our very best to bring you a bit of a demystifying racing edition of this Rainer Sim Racing podcast. So we'll get started, um, and I think the first question I'm going to ask the group is, is racing open enough to a new audience? Because we've spoken before, how can we get more young people into racing? It's quite clear that the demographic of racing itself is aimed at a much older audience. But it's important to bring in that younger generation. But I suppose what we need to look at, first of all, is, you know, are we being open enough as racing fans, as a racing industry, to get this next audience, this next generation in? Um Killian, what do you think? Is racing open? Um, I'd probably say that this is something we've spoken about before in the podcast, but I, I think racing is open. If you really want to, you know, become a jockey or something like that, like there's no one stopping you. You can there's lots of courses and there's careers in racing and there's plenty of information out there. So I see no reason why someone uh, can't get into racing if they want to. It's you know, it's uh, there is a, a process for people to follow, and there is lots of information out there. So I think racing is quite open at the moment. Yeah, I think I would agree with you there. Um, and I think it's important for race courses as well to advertise their own strength to their local audience because. If you're someone new coming into racing, so say um, in my position, I'm not going to travel four or five hours up to 
the likes of, you know, Doncaster, you know, I'm much more likely to go to my local race course. And that's what a lot of um, new people would be looking at is where is their race course that is local to them. They'd be more likely to go there than to travel further because why would you travel a further distance to go racing when you haven't been before? You don't know what it's going to be like. You know, you might want need to make a quick escape or something um, if you don't like it. But um, I think it's it's important for race courses to make sure they've got that advertisement out there locally to introduce families and that younger audience in. And of course, to emphasise the all-important fact that under 18s do go racing for free you know it's not like when you go to the cinema or something you've got to pay for the entire family as long as you've got an adult ticket that's two under 18s that can get in with that one adult ticket that's three people going racing effectively for the price of one which i think is a great initiative and really needs to be it needs to be shouted from the rooftops basically you cannot make a big enough deal of the fact that racing is making the effort to get the younger audience in because it's letting this younger audience to go racing for no money at all so i think that that needs to be much more of a point needs to be made that locally um uh, i completely agree i mean i said about this in my should young people get into horse racing article if there's nothing stopping um race courses just going out and say giving leaflets for the kids I mean, it's just it's just a, another way to get more young people into the sport um, because, like you say, it's a really nice day out. It's a cheap day out. And, I mean, that's what parents want, really. They don't want to be spending a fortune every day, say, like the summer holidays. So the fact it's like, say, like £18 to get in all day, they've got like the little parks and um, picnic areas and you can have a really nice day. Absolutely. And Luke, what would your take be on is racing open open enough for young people? Oh yeah, it definitely is. And when the thing the difference between when you go to say a football match or you go to days of the racing, the likelihood is you can get a picture or an autograph of any jockey you want there between races. Whereas if you go to a football, the chance of you getting a picture with anybody, any footballer is zero to none. It's it's open in that way that you can meet the stars and have a good day. Absolutely. Um, and on that note, what would you say to someone new going racing? What would be your like kind of um, your tip to you know making the most of the day at the races if you haven't been before? So I think I'd say. Um, to definitely go everywhere to you know find all of the different important parts of the race course go and see the parade ring get up close to the horses you know um go and stand by the winning line watch a race in the winning line watch a race from up in the grandstand um go and see the pre-parade ring if you can watch the winning presentation in the winner's enclosure after the race you know just make the most of it and you'll kind of get that feel of what a day at the race really is like and you'll get to know your favourite aspects of that and, um, you know, hopefully make you want to go again as well. Um, Because I think nowadays, for me, having gone racing a lot more, I kind of know the things I want to see from a race course. Even still now, going to new race courses, like um, going to Cheltenham, 
or um, where else have I been? Like even when I went to Bath a few years ago, it's kind of getting to see everywhere on the race course, kind of, you know, learning like all the boundaries and everything and um, just getting the most out of the day. But I, find, I think you find like, and I don't know whether you guys have also noticed this, but the more you go throughout the day, more fixed you become to one position so it's like at the start of the day I'll be wandering around a lot more just kind of taking it all in like seeing where I am but then as I kind of get to the end of the day I'm like right I know where I want to stand to watch the race I know where I want to stand by the parade ring and you just kind of get more into that pattern um Killian what would your advice be to someone going to the race uh definitely uh first time I went to the races I was absolutely um, enthralled by the horses in the parade ring. Definitely go up close to them if you can. Get a good view of them. Uh, like Luke says, approach jockeys. Try and get a picture, an autograph, or something like that. And just yeah, um, don't be too worried about. Maybe more case of in England you have enclosures and stuff, but certainly in Irish racing, you know, there's no like um, like you can go everywhere on the race course really. Uh, so maybe go down to a hurdle, like by the rails, finishing line, up the stands, just go around the race course and get to see the horses. And you, you'll you know fairly quickly whether you like racing or not. And at the end of the day, it's not all about, you know, backing winners or anything like that. Lots of people just go racing because they like to see the horses. So, yeah, just go to race and see if you like it. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's just getting that kind of first taster just to know whether it is the sport for you. And I think a lot of people find it is because you've got that option to then kind of have that investment of, you know, do I place a bet on this race or you can just sit back and enjoy. And yeah, I mean, I think my advice would be to anyone if they're considering going to a race meeting, I'd say definitely go and do it because there's nothing quite like watching finish to a race when you're on the course right up by the rail I think it's one of the best thrills um but when looking at introducing a new audience into the sport I was having a conversation the other day about um the language of racing and the kind of the terms that we use they're like furlong um handicap everything they're quite old-fashioned and take a little bit um of understanding so, um, Luke, would you say that maybe the language of racing should be changed to become a bit more modern, maybe? Would that perhaps introduce that influx of younger race goers? Or do you think it's part of the attraction to the sport is having that link to the past? Yeah, I'd say keep the way it is. It's kind of unique, like the eight furlongs being a mile. Like in most race cards, it does have the meters beside the distance. Like, so say a mile, it'll have the 1600 meters or whatever it is. But just as you're saying there, you can go racing and meet your hero. Killian was at Leopardstown and he met his hero, <laughs> Ted Walsh. Fantastic. <laughs> got a picture of Ted Walsh. It's happy out. Yeah. Like, you can go race, you can meet your hero that's on the telly. Like, Killian, he was like a kid at Christmas meeting Ted Walsh. <laughs> Yeah, delighted. Made my day. Amazing. Um, <laughs> and Sam, how? What would it be your suggestion to 
helping people learn how to pick up the, these terms in this language then? Because, you know, would you say maybe is it more tricky to just like have someone talk to you and tell you all about it? Or would you rather like um, read it yourself and learn sure, it really. yourself? I mean, I think we definitely should keep obviously the furlong and the handicap because it's what it's always been. And horse racing is good because it's got so much history surrounding it. And um, I think that's what a real selling point is. And it has changed so much since even the 90s racing has. It's taken so many amazing steps forward. Um, and I mean, yeah, you can, I kind of picked it up from listening to people talk and kind of interpreted it that way. But I mean, if it's like you somewhere had like a little dictionary of all the key terms, what they meant, I suppose we just kept on looking at it, kept on referencing, referencing back, then um, then you'd be able to learn what, everything meant yeah don't they normally have it in the race card itself like a little kind of mini dictionary of all the different terms and like I'm, not, advice on I'm how pretty sure there's the definitely ways to read well. the to read the race card yeah but i don't i don't know about the key terms let me have a look i think um yeah I think I've seen I've I've had a race card before where they put the definitions in, but I can't remember where I got it from. But I thought that was a really nice addition to have. Um, out of interest, how did everyone here like pick up the language of racing? Because I think for me it was just a combination really of watching the racing and um kind of understanding which terms were used more frequently. Um, and then applying like online research to that and just doing my like r- learning it myself really rather than hearing it from other people um and I think for me that that investment of my time and my um attention into learning these different terms is possibly what has deepened my um link to the sport you know because I've invested my time into it um Killian how did you kind of pick up the and like learn all of the different racing uh, well initially um, I suppose my first interest in racing is kind of watching kind of arty racing and like Luke says my hero Ted Walsh um, and I suppose I've always been kind of an independent learner so once I kind of got that interest it was kind of up to myself to kind of figure out uh, what was going on so I used to listen to the final furlong podcast quite a bit and then I just, just uh, use Google stuff and pick it up as I went along and just try to figure it out myself and go racing more often. Uh, so, yeah, I just kind of picked it up myself gradually. Brilliant. Um, so I think now what we're going to do is we're going to actually apply some of these definitions to the more tricky aspects of racing. Um, so... If you're a racing fan, you already know what all of these means and feel free to get past this part. Um, but if you are maybe new to racing and you want to learn more, then this is definitely the, the part for you. Um, so first of all, because I think for me, I've only really, really gotten to grips with this in the last few years. What is the handicap system and how does it work? Do any of you want to answer this in particular? <laughs> So the idea of the handicap is that each horse is weighted, so carries a different weight based on their ability, on the idea that 
every horse will finish in a straight line. That's never happened, but um, that's the idea. So it kind of proves which horse is the best and they're weighted to our, in respective to everybody else. Um, it, and they can be horses can be put up in the handicap, which means they will get more weight next time. So their mark increases if they've run well, and then it can decrease if they've, say, pulled up or finished down the field. Um, and then a handicap race is a race where each horse has a different weight depending on their ability, like I said. And things like group ones um, or grade ones, they all go off the same weight. And I think amateur jockey races too, they go off 12 stone. Um, and then horses can have penalties um, for winning in the same contest or allowances, say if they were a filly. Brilliant. Yeah. And it just makes the kind of, it just yeah. makes it more of a level playing field in theory then. Yeah. And so there's a, because there's official ratings as well, aren't there? Which kind of give a clue as to just how good a horse is. But because they're adaptable and they change with every, like, like every few runs a horse has, it gives that indication of just how well a horse is performing. And often, if a horse, wins a race gets raised in the handicap mark and then its form kind of drops off a little bit if it then reaches that same mark that it was at when it last won a race it's often worth taking note of that because it wouldn't be surprising to see them perform well again because they've got less weight to carry or they'll be in a lower class of race as well in theory um what about um a furlong Killian, uh, furlong is furlong? equivalent to 200 meters essentially so furlong is units unit of measurement most commonly used in horse racing and they because they use like meters don't they uh, in, they um, use meters in what countries do you use meters in uh they don't use this in america do they mm -hmm. Um, America's like, yeah, I Dubai don't think they use it in America. Yeah, in Australia, like, they use meters Australia, in Dubai, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how many furlongs uh, are there in a mile. mile? And then what would you say in average, how many furlongs are in uh, an average? Five, five to six furlongs. Okay, so, and I've like this shortest race there were. Well, yeah, you, you have some four like, furlong races, aren't you? Effectively, the average um, is four, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in America, four and a half, I think. It's over, yeah, it's over just less than five, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in effect, that's what a furlong is. It's just a unit of measurement in racing. Um. And then, Luke, explain how like ground conditions work in racing because we hear the likes of um, firm ground, good ground, soft ground, good to soft ground, heavy ground. I mean, what does it all mean? Just kind of simplify that it's, for our listeners. The scale would the go from heavy to firm or good to firm. You'd mostly see the good firm or firm through the summer, which would be the harder ground. It, 
place you'd probably see the firmest ground in England would be bad because they don't water. But you'd get some <laughs> heavy ground <laughs> would be the opposite. <laughs> heavy ground would be the opposite. Like bad ground deep to just kind of struggle to go quicker in the ground. And some horses are suited better for that. You'll mostly see those conditions in national hunt racing where they're bigger horses and they tend to need the softer ground to move better. Brilliant. Um, thanks, guys. So I think we'll look at the questions that we've got on Twitter now. Um, so Jamie Brownlow wants to know what is yielding on Irish ground. So Luke, in effect, I'll come back to you because you've just explained to us a bit about ground. So what is yielding, yielding is between ground? good and soft. It's kind of the middle ground. Kind of hard to explain what exactly it is, but when they're doing the stick measurements, yielding would be in between uh, good and soft. Okay. And um, Sam, the wicket chicken wants to know what is the difference between so cheek pieces are sheepskin um, on the cheek pieces of the bridle, so down behind their eyes, and that's just to kind of make them focus forward. A noseband is um, is to keep the horse's head down. So if a horse has quite a high head carriage and throws their head around a lot, you'll put a sheepskin noseband on, and I think you can get them in different sizes. Um, and it, the idea is it will make the horse look at their feet because they like to be able to see their feet as they gallop. So it just drops their head and they can look down and see their feet, basically. Um, it's a shadow roll in America. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Oh, cool. Um, and then Killian, finally, Jamie wants to know again, do you prefer furlongs or meters? Well, essentially, that's, a, that's just your own preference. It doesn't make any difference, like... It's the same distance regardless if you say furlong or meter. So furlong is just the most traditional one, but I, I, I don't really care to be honest. <laughs> no. Yeah. Same distance either way. Um, and then what I thought would be a good idea was to just give an outline of how each of us would go about studying the form. So if we, if you've got a race card in front of you, what would be the first kind of thing that you would look for in your tips? who maybe haven't been racing before who aren't used to studying the form that you know they could then use themselves to clue them which horses they need to be keeping a closer eye on so um for me what i like to look out for the most would be if horses got winning form or good form over the course and distance of the race that you're about to watch so that will normally come marked up next to the horse's name with a C and a D. Um, and I think, you know, this just means the horse likes the course. They'll, um, you know, they go well over the distance and often it can just, some horses, it's like horses for courses, isn't it? You know, some horses just prefer certain tracks as opposed to others. Um, and I would say what I mentioned earlier with a handicap mark as well, if a horse is back down to their last winning racing, I think that is, um, another interesting thing to keep an eye on um, and I what I like to do is um, so I'll kind of order my horses in priority of what like 
when I how much time I want to spend looking at their form um with you know whether they first of all what they did on their last start whether they won or were in the places so I'll take a look at the ones who ran better the last day first so what I like to do is to then go online to whatever your chosen platform is whether it's racing tv or at the races and look back at the tape of their last form of their last run um just to kind of get an impression myself and make my own mind up about it because you can read all of the comments that you want all the tips you want online but at the end of the day you can make up your own mind by watching the race for yourself and make you know making your own decision um so i think that that is what i would tend to do when looking through the form um uh, well, you- initially when i got into racing the main two things i used to look at was course form and ground but of course like as you get more into racing you start to realize that trainer form can be a big one to keep an eye on and also you start to understand that certain trainers and owners like to target some races and you start to see that some horses maybe they're they kind of might have been prepped for certain races and you can kind of put a line through certain runs or stuff like that um but to be honest the best thing when you're looking at form is to go back and watch replays because that's where you're going to learn the most about horses for instance, if you look at bear form in front of you, it might say a horse finished third in the race. But if you go back and look at it, maybe they encountered uh, a lot of interference or something like that. Maybe their jumping wasn't that good. So you can learn a lot from watching replays. Um, and also, a lot of people put in- emphasis, especially on the flat, on time and sectionals like that. I wouldn't really place too much emphasis on that sometimes I think lads can be too caught up in what a horse has done on the clock and uh, stuff like that so but it is good to there are about like, there's about five or six factors at the very least you have to keep in mind when looking at form it's it can be very complicated especially when you're dealing in big runner handicaps and stuff like that so it can be quite confusing It can be quite daunting as well, actually, if you haven't been racing before, suddenly get presented with all of these numbers and letters that you've got no idea what they mean. But um, more often than not, at the start, kind of on the first couple of pages of a race card, they will have some sort of indication of how to read the form and how to, you know, read a race card as well. Um, And of course, you know, any questions at all, if you're going racing for the first time, maybe, and you feel like you need any help, you know, don't be afraid to get in touch with us at Rainers in Racing if you have any questions at all. Um, you know, we'd be more than happy to point you in the right direction. Um, Sam, if you were, if you had the um, form card for last week's Gold Cup suddenly thrown in front um, of you, you I'd be looking at things like course and distance form, which is obviously it's quite crucial going into the Cheltenham Festival, like we saw with um, Album Photo, obviously, winning the, that race. Um, and then I think, like, the, the um, conditional was the course and distance winner before the Ultima. Um, so just that kind of thing. Um, I always kind of have a look at their official ratings. So have a look who's the highest rated. Obviously, in a handicap, you're going to end up with the top weight, see what the top weight's been doing, um, see whether they're actually winning at the minute and how much their marks changed since their last 
win and kind of start from there. And when I'm going about writing my preview, say I'd got a big field, I'd look into like form lines of races. So say a horse has won last time out. Quite often in your sprint handicaps, you get horses that have raced against each other so many times through the season. And I, I love looking into those form lines. And I think they are very, like with watching the replays as well, see so you got a bit, could have been, a, got a bit caught out um, with the interference as you do get in those big field races. That helps, in my opinion. And finally, Luke, what would be your very first thing that you would kind of have a look at if you were presented with a random horse in a random race? What would you I'd probably watch about their last run just to see how they fared, as they were saying, like to see did he travel well, say if it's the flat, did he break well from the stalls? Just little things that can have a big effect in the, in the distance they might have won or been bet in the race. So I think that's everything. We've answered all the questions we've been sent in. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if you're listening to this and you have any more questions about racing or studying the form or like anything at all, do get in touch with us either um, by email, racing at outlook.com or on Twitter or Instagram at racing. So I've been threatening for ages, but finally, finally, this is going to be the return of our impossible quiz. But do you want to know what? I'm going to do it based all about Cheltenham 2020. Because we're on the other side of it now. It was probably, here in the UK, it was probably our last glimpse of quality national hunt racing for a while. So we're going to let it live on. We're going to make the most of it. And so welcome to the Impossible Quiz Cheltenham 2020 edition. Um, so each of you are going to get one easy question and one much more difficult question. But actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask one of you, um, so I'm going to give one of you each an easy question, but I'm going to leave the more difficult questions kind of open to everyone um, because they're all... Um, statistics so basically it'll be whoever gets the number closest will get the point um, so question number one I am going to give to Luke I'll give you question number one actually. <laughs> I'm just trying to decide which one's the most horrible one and I'll give that one to Killian um, <laughs> so Luke who were the oldest horses to win at the 2020 and how old were they? Um, two. The in. So there were two of them. It came to pass in the Fox Hunter. And. Yeah. The, the conditional. No. Ravenhill. It was on day one, this other winner. Ten? Yeah. Do you know how old they are? Yeah, well done. I was quite surprised by that, actually, because I thought, 
you know, for the oldest winner at the festival to be 10, I would have thought, you know, normally we get at least one kind of older winner. Um, but the question that I'm going to ask you all now is, what is the combined age of all the winners at the 2020 Cheltenham Festival? <laughs> so pick a number um, and I'll go around each of you and get your answer. So Luke, I suppose it was your question first, so I'll best come to you first. Um, what do you think the answer is? 205. Um, okay. Sam, what do you think? 190. <laughs> My maths has given me a figure of 194. Is that? Oh my <gasps> god, Killian, you win! Yes, it was one hundred and ninety. It was one hundred and ninety-three. <laughs> I'm surprised. Like you guys, your answers were all so close. I was thinking, Boom. have I made this quiz too easy? <laughs> well done. That was so close. Okay. Um. Then the next question is going to be for Sam. So, Sam, what was the it largest was winning margin at the 2020 Festival and which horse um, registered it? And was it 12 lengths? Was it? No, I've got it wrong, haven't I? Oh, God. Oh, you said that with so much confidence. <laughs> I thought, I, I she, thought it was Oh, God, I forgot about him. It was actually oh, Easy Land. Oh, Okay. Beating Tiger Roll. Was that my easy question? 17 lengths. Must be the highest rated horse. <laughs> but, you know. Nearly as good as Bristol the Mike. That, yeah, that was your easy question. Um, so, the question for all of you, um, and I'd just like to point out that the I'm pretty sure my maths has been right today, but. I don't want to be too confident. Um, this was done in a rush about half an hour before we started recording. So um, the more tricky question is, what was the combined winning margin of all the horses, all the winners at the 2020 festival? Sam, I'll give you a little bit of time to um, do some math, but what do you think the answer? It can just be a random guess as well. <laughs> okay. Doing some maths, doing some maths. Killian, what's your guess? Luke, are you um, quicker at maths than Killian? Have you got an answer? You can hear the swearing. Um, sparks are flying. <laughs> um, t- 
and people are tuning 230. out. <laughs> ne- nearly there. Yeah. My maths is nearly done. Killian, have you finished your maths yet? 132. Okay. You guys, I'm a bit disappointed, guys. I think we set our standards too high with that first question. You're all a bit of a way off, really. Um, it was. Boom. So Killian gets the point <laughs> because he was actually the closest. Wow. But it was Great. actually only 85 and a half lengths. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is the impossible quiz for a reason. Um, but yeah, only 85 and a half lengths. And I suppose there were quite a few close finishes when you think about it. You know, if the widest, if the largest winning margin was 17 lengths, and I think I'll have to get my um, working out up, but I think that the next highest winning margin after right. Easy Land. Just in the wrong was, order. Um, <laughs> Not the actual question. 12 lengths. But actually, yeah, well, nearly right. <laughs> um, nine of the races were actually like won by less than a length. So they were quite, you know, there were some really close finishes actually. Passing. Um, so that's two points for Killian. Um, and then Thanks. one for Luke, and then for Sam. <laughs> Sam, I'll give you half a point because I'm feeling nice, and you know you did get the second largest winning margin. <laughs> but um, Killian, your turn now. And I think actually this first question's too nice, but you know we'll just go with it because the second question's a real nasty one. Um, so, who was the biggest price winner of the 2020 Champion Festival? This, this, is, this is difficult. This on? is because it, it came to pass with 66 to 1. Wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. Well, yeah, Disney, that's yeah. yeah. Listen well to Oscar was like, you could have backed with 66, but then? I only went off 66 <laughs> Yeah, so it came to pass. No, he was 50. But anyway, before we go through too many starting prices, um, I want to know your final question for today's impossible quiz is, what was the total combined winning SP of every winner at the Southern Festival this year? Would have been a bit easier if I was on favour at the one at some stage. Oh, this this is a horrible question. <laughs> it's a great question. Don't say anything bad about the questions. All right. <laughs> it's the impossible quiz. It's not the easy quiz. But I think, well, I'd hope one of you will get a bit closer this time. See, if we had Lois on, she'd have aced this already. 
you've been beating all of you. Give me a second. Right. Has anyone got an answer for me? Three hundred and sixty-five. Six hundred. No, it's yep. not that. Don't no. Ignore that. Ignore that. No, it's not that. Is that your answer? Um, I have an equation going. Okay. On. Wait, give me a sec. Okay. <laughs> Two hundred and twenty-six. So after some quick math that I haven't like taken a pause and edited out of the podcast. Just done off the top of my head, guys. Um, I can say that none of you got the right answer, which was about 290 to 1. But the winner of our Chapman 2020 impossible quiz is Killian. Because Boom. He, was, he was only, I think, about 65 points off. So well done. You win. Justice for Killian. <laughs> Justice <laughs> has been served. We'll Justice. get on to that later because um, I've actually got, once again, another question. But we'll get to that later. Because now I want to give a quick word to Cheltenham because we haven't actually like reviewed it too much like you know we haven't looked back on it um so i just want to ask everyone what was your favorite moment of the week so i'll start off i think for me my favorite moment and i was actually quite surprised by myself by this because but in hindsight i think it would have been my favorite moment my highlight and for me that was politologue winning the queen mother champion chase Oh, I know on paper, looking back on it, it doesn't look like the strongest race. You know, there was a tiny field. But I think more for me to see that horse win, who I've what I, I've followed his career since he ran behind Barton Hill, I think it was in the Chalo Hurdle. Um, and I just remember seeing him on the race course that day and just falling, falling for him. You know, everyone loves the grey, um, and. You know, to see how far he's come now. Now he's a Queen Mother champion chase winner. And actually, for his owner, John Hales as well, to win this race again, who he won with his beloved one man. I think it was just, you could see the, how much it meant to him. And I think so that definitely would have been the highlight for me. And actually to have Harry Skelton on board as well, because, you know, those two, they're family friends. They know each other really well. And I think it just must have been the best thrill for them all. So it was really, really nice to see Politolog win. Um, having ran such a gallant race, actually, the year previously behind Alfior, it was kind of nice for him to get his his day in the in the sun. So, um, yeah, I think Politolog winning the Queen Mother Champion Chase was my highlight of the Cheltenham Festival 2020. Um, Luke, what was your highlight of the week? My highlight came in the Marsh Chase when Sam Crow got he got his head in front, just beating Mellon. And Faheen was back in third. They all jumping two out. Faheen was down on his nose, and that probably cost him being a lot closer. But it was a great finish. He had Sam Crow on the outside with Davy Russell and Patrick Mullins on the inside with Mellon. Just Patrick just didn't get there. Great jump at the last from Sam Crow, probably secured it for him. It looked like Mellon was just coming back at him towards the line, and it got a bit tight, but thankfully he won. 
a horse I've liked for a long time, and it's just good to see him get his head back in front on the big stage when lots of people were doubting him. That really was a great race. And I'll admit, I was one of the doubters. I was one of the doubters. But that's just another show as well, actually, of course, like course form being so important. But I'll admit, while I was really, really happy to see um, Sam Crow get back into the winner's enclosure, I was cheering for Faheen. thought if he could have won that Marsh Novice Chase at the age of 12, it would have just absolutely lifted the roof off the place. Um, but no, he ran an absolutely incredible race. And I think it was definitely, well, in terms of the finishes, it was probably the finish of the week, wasn't it, Luke? I, I think, oh, definitely. Yeah. Just, I couldn't call it at the line. I thought it would have been a, a dead heat. It was that close. Um, Killian, what about you? What was your highlight of the week, your favourite part of the Cheltenham 2020? <laughs> On the 9th of May, 2013, <laughs> a fool was born. <laughs> Subsequently named... This could take a while. Listening to our Oscar. Yeah, five, years later, <laughs> five years later, five years later, he goes to Liscarra for a point to point, opens up two to one on. Everyone in the area knows he's a certainty. He's backed off the boards. He wins like a good thing by eight lengths. Goes to the sales, not sold. Surprisingly, I thought he would go to Gordon or William Mullins. But no, <laughs> he went to Rebecca Curtis. He disappointed a few times, was sent off. Fairly fancied for the Albert Barrett last year, ran no sort of race. I started to doubt myself, <laughs> but I, I retained the faith. And on the biggest day, this Nagar Oscar delivered 50 to 1 in the stairs hurdle. And he didn't just win, he demolished him. I was on the train home from Dublin to Kerry, and what people must have thought I had <laughs> lost my marbles. I was just. I was loving it, absolutely loving it. So that was definitely my highlight. And we haven't stopped hearing about it since. To be fair, you yeah, all thought we I did. was mad. We did. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. I, <laughs> there's no hiding that. <laughs> but you know, I never doubted you, Killian. <laughs> yeah, <boy> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just Liz Nagar Oscar that makes me question his saneness. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, I don't know whether you yeah, can I mean... quite top that, Sam, but do you have a highlight that can beat? Um, no, but I mean, for me, it was Champ. Um, obviously, he'd crashed out at Cheltenham before, um, and there was a lot of people doubting him. Um, but I stayed loyal, even though, I mean, yeah, he probably wasn't one of the best fancied horses, and like, with within people um and yeah he did he didn't jump too well and i did think he was beaten but under barry garrity he rallied back and um got past the two leaders and yeah i was i didn't really know what was going on because i couldn't quite hear it so i was just kind of like what's he done is he won it was <laughs> but it was great yeah he um he did really well and yeah i'm really really pleased because obviously it's archie mccoy um absolutely loves him so that was really sweet and yeah he's he's a great horse and hopefully he can go on to featuring gold cups like they bought him with the hopes of i think everyone thought he was beaten there i was 
Cheering home Manella in though, thinking, yes, that's another 10 points in the bag for me in the competition. <laughs> but <laughs> not to be. Anyway, now we've got to talk about, because if any of you have been following us on Twitter, you'll know that we had our little team Cheltenham competition. Um, who won that again? Like, out of interest, who won? Can't remember. Yeah. No, I don't know either. Luke, I'm surprised you're staying quiet. <laughs> yeah, Now's just your moment to, to shine. <laughs> got, got to the front with the last day, just took a nice and easy last day, played it safe, won well. I think Killian is still complaining that he didn't get about 40 points for Liz Nagar Oscar winning, but it wouldn't have mattered. Still would have won. <laughs> add on, add on, whatever. I, think he's I had to stand my ground there. I had to stand my ground because literally Thursday night, um, Gillian was messaging like, can I not get double points for Liz Nagar Oscar? And you know the rules, Killian. It's if there's more than 20 runners that you get double points. Odds don't matter at all. <laughs> so, but no, Luke won. And he won pretty convincingly in the end, I hate to say it, because I was second and I thought, Honestly, I thought, as going into the last day, I thought, oh, I could still win this. I'm only 10 points behind, but my last day was shocking. <laughs> it was absolutely shocking, which, of course, just so happened to be the day that I was there. So, yeah, it was um, not the best Friday for me. But, um, no, Luke's gone well. But I think moment of the week does have to go to Killian for getting that 50-1 winner. I think, actually... We need to give him a round of applause, really, for that, because I was a bit harsh on him during the competition. So I think, you know... Come on, lads. Louder, louder, please. <laughs> Justice. For the people in the back. <laughs> but no. Well done, Killian. Well done, Luke. Bad yeah, luck, three winners Sam. on the week. <laughs> I, was, I, was, oh, I, I'm, I was not no, going to mention it. But... Bit, you? I've moved on. <laughs> You've moved on. <laughs> You've moved on. <laughs> um, but no, that was a really good fun competition, actually. Um, and hopefully, I mean, we'll have to see what state racing gets into in the next few months. Hopefully, we'll be able to do one for, for like, Royal Ascot, Glorious Goodwood, York, and then we'll yes. keep on going. Actually, we can do one for Punchestown. We'll run another one for Punchestown. We will get us through this racing hiatus in the UK by focusing on Ireland. And um, actually, that brings me to my other question that I've got of the day. You could call this our final discussion. Um, but who would you say was the unluckiest loser at the Cheltenham Festival? Was it Goshen in the Triumph Hurdle? Or was it Killian <laughs> in our Rainish in Racing competition? Discuss. <laughs> I put in Abic Dabbers. Yes, you know what? Well, actually, no, two. Goshen. Really? Goshen was so unlucky. Literally. I was stood, like, right by the final flight of hurdles that day. But I had a load of people in front of me, so I couldn't actually see what had happened. But um, the atmosphere in the place, like, literally, just the crowd, just, oh, my God. You could have dropped a pin. 
<laughs> and heard it. Like, it was awful. I just felt so, so bad for the Moors because, you know, it was, he would have bolted up. But they live to fight another day and he will be back. And you know who else will be back? Killian will be back for revenge on Luke at our Punch Us Down competition. I can see it happening. I can see the, the form being reversed. There's what only one say, problem Killian? there. I uh, wouldn't take much to reverse that form. Yeah. <laughs> I come on for the run. Fighting talk from you, Luke. Come on. Um, the only certainty of punches Town will literally be that it won't go ahead. So. <laughs> Jeez, thanks for that, Luke. You really make me feel good. Thanks. Thanks, Luke. <sighs> We've been oh, realistic well. here. All right. Pod on that note, then. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, that was the Reality Racing podcast. <laughs> no. Um. Hopefully, it'll go ahead. I mean, obviously, completely understandable if it doesn't. We've got to do what's best for everyone's safe, like health and safety at the moment. Um. But if it does go ahead, if it does, we will run a competition, and um, you know, if anyone will win again. Involved, no, we won't. No, we won't. <laughs> Beginner's luck, I tell you. But um, if it goes ahead and if anyone else fancies having a go, then, you know, just drop us a message and um, we'll uh, add up your points and see where you would have come in our competition. Um, I'm looking through my notes here. Um, another thing we're doing, actually, um, at Rainerton, or, like, planning on doing, is while there is a shortage of racing right now um obviously we've got the boys bringing us our um racing previews for ireland which are you know no more than 20 minutes i say for now really they've got about two hours worth of like recordings but it's mostly just them messing about <laughs> like um but no we've got those coming um most days actually um for you all to listen to and um give you some clues to who to look out for um in the Irish racing that we've got for now. Um and as well as that on the article front for our website, um, because obviously a lot of what we do is doing well, I know Sam does her weekly preview for the weekend racing, which is all it always goes down really well, but of course at the minute there's no racing for her to preview. Um so I think what we're going to do is just every one of us is going to um, write an article about one of our favourite parts of racing, whether it's a particular horse, a particular racing memory and experience that we've had, just something to kind of bring in that positivity and, um, you know, reflect why we love the sport so much and remind us what we you know, maybe not so much what we're missing at the moment, but what we've got to look forward to when everything kind of returns to some form of normality. You know, and I think I speak for everyone here when I say, you know, just be sensible. You know, don't go out if you don't need to. Stay indoors. Just now is the time to think about other people. You know, it's not to be selfish. Think about other people just to do the right thing. Um, follow the advice you're given. And most of all, most importantly, just stay stay healthy, stay safe, um, you know, because 
it's really uncertain time that we're in at the moment but um you know we can all we feel we can all still be kind and just sensible and everything and um yeah we'll, we'll get through this and um yeah just got a lot of things to look forward to hopefully on the other side so yeah just any anything at all if anyone ever wants anyone to talk to or anything our dms are open you know we're all i think at the moment the boys are doing the um toilet paper challenge most days um golf balls down the stairs isn't it luke at the moment yeah just they didn't pick up as well as they thought they would they were great skill i thought yeah <laughs> luke self praise is no praise okay killian until you do it yeah yeah actually killian we're waiting for a response from you i'm going to put a video together i'm going to get a golf ball i'm going to say look at that crow 100 yards away it's going to fire he's going to kill her dead <laughs> like a gun man oh amazing the things you learn about people when you're in self-isolation honestly um but yeah i think I don't know, is there anything else that anyone here wants to say on that note? We don't condole the killing of birds with golf balls. That is true. I think, yeah, that I think that brings us to the end of this week's Raiders and Racing podcast. Um, don't kill birds, don't go outside, and uh, yeah, stay healthy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't quite know what we're going to do with the podcast while racing's off. I mean, we'll try and bring you something at least every fortnight, I'd say, just to, you know, if anything, just to provide that bit of distraction, just something to do for 45 minutes or so, you know. And, um, yeah, just any feedback you have for us, any questions that you have, anything, like, you want us to read out, on our next podcast, just get in touch on the usual channels, either at Rainus and Racing on Twitter or Instagram, or Rainus and Racing at Outlook.com. You know, one of us is bound to be online at some point, so you probably get a rather quick reply. I mean, we're not out and about really. <laughs> if you if you Luke um, hitting golf balls down the stairs or Killian hitting golf balls at birds. <laughs> One of us will be around. <laughs> so on that note, thank you very much for listening and we wish you all the best and hope you will join us next time. <laughs> that was great.